Last judgment has this scary thought to it, doesn't it? I mean, why would we name a Sunday of the church your last judgment, right? If we, if we want people to be attracted to our church and come and hear the message, right? We're going to talk about judgment? Yes. <laughs> because it's all over the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament, God talks about final judgment, that there will be a judgment of the living and the dead. And God doesn't want you to be afraid of it. God doesn't want that fear to be there, but he wants you to know about it. He knows what is, he wants you to know what's going to happen on that last day. He does that because he loves us. And he wants us to be ready. He wants us to be prepared. He, 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 he wants that day for us when Jesus appears with all of his angels, not to be one that causes us fear and terror, but that we can lift up our heads in joy. And so he tells us how this all turns out when the judge comes. But maybe that thought of an end, of judgment, still is, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's still a little scary. It's still just a, a, something I really don't like to think about. And why is that? Well, it might be because this whole idea of judging just kind of rubs us the wrong way, right? That we, by nature, don't like it when people judge us, when, when, when they point out our flaws, when they tell us that we've done wrong, right? We, we don't like it when people judge us. I've even heard people say, only, only God can judge me, right? Oh, only God can judge me. You can't judge me. Okay. Is that what you really want? <laughs> you really want God to judge you? Because you might be able to fool the rest of us. You can pull the wool over our eyes, but you can't fool God. Because God not only knows the things you do and the things you say, but even the things you think. All of it. And you've got to answer to him. You really want God to be your judge. Right? And so that thought of being judged by a holy, almighty, all-knowing God is, is kind of terrifying to some people. But God tells us how this all turns out when the judge comes. Or this might be a frightful thing for some people, this idea of last judgment, the last day, because we don't know when it's going to be. Right? All over the Bible, Jesus talks about so many times that you don't know when that day is going to come. It's going to come like a thief in the night when you least expect it. And that can be a scary thought for some. That it might be next year, it might be tomorrow, it could be before the end of this worship service. It really could be. And for some of us, we might not even make it to that last judgment, that final last day when Jesus comes. Because you might die before that happens. And, and then, it's your own personal judgment day. It's your personal last day where you have to face the judge. And, and you don't know when that's going to happen either. And so that idea of not knowing when can be scary. But God tells us how it all turns out when the judge comes. It also might be a little scary for some people because it's final. 
when your death day or that last day comes, when Jesus comes with all of his angels, there's no second chances. There's no do-overs. There's no lifelines. That's it. Final, last judgment forever. But God tells us how this all turns out when the judge comes. This also might be frightening because when judgment comes, there's only two options. <laughs> there's just two. You will either be judged to eternal life, where you get to live with the holy God forever in, in paradise, with no sin, no death, no mourning, no pain, no sickness, but joy and peace forever with God. Or the other option is eternal separation from God. What Jesus describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth, anger and regret and remorse within yourself forever. Eternal death it's described as, that you want to die but you never can because of the pain and the loneliness and the sadness forever. Those are the only two options there are and they couldn't be more polar opposite. And that's frightening to some. How do I know which one I'm going to end up in? But we all, but because God tells us that we know how this turns out when the judge comes, we do not have to fear. We do not have to fear our death day. We don't have to fear that judgment day when Jesus comes back. Because in his love, he wants us to know. He wants us to be certain of what's going to happen on that day. And that's what our lesson from Second Thessalonians, that second lesson that we read, is about this morning. And the context here that Paul is writing to these Christians in the church at, at Thessalonica is they were, undergoing, they were undergoing severe persecution. They were losing their property, their homes. Uh, some people were losing their lives for being Christian, for clinging to Jesus as their Savior. They were undergoing severe trials and suffering. Uh, Paul wrote, writes this right before our lesson. So this is in, in verse 4 of chapter 1. It says that we boast about your perseverance and your faith in all the persecutions and the trials that you are enduring. And then in verse 5, the first verse of our lesson, it says all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. These Christians were being tempted to give up on their faith, to give up on Jesus, to, to just say this is just too hard. It'd just be easier just to renounce him, to say I'm not a Christian, and I'll be left alone. But Paul says you have perseverance in your suffering, in your trials, and you are enduring, and we're boasting about that. And this is proving that God's judgment will be right when he comes back because you are enduring all this suffering. Now, what it sounds like here is that, that Paul is saying they're going to get to go to heaven because they're enduring suffering. He says you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God because you're suffering. He goes on to say this. In verse 6, he says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. It seems like these Thessalonians were undergoing this, this deep difficult persecution for their faith, and they were holding on. They were holding on to what God had done for them. 
They were holding on to their faith and they were clinging to Christ. Would Paul write these same words about us? If we were undergoing severe persecution, and thank God we're not, right? If we couldn't gather together in this public space and worship and praise God and, and teach what we believe from the Bible, if we couldn't walk on the streets and, and share information about Jesus and invite people to come and hear more, if we couldn't talk about it with somebody at work or anybody out there because we would get persecuted and because our lives would be in danger, would Paul write these same words about us? Or is that not even something that really crosses your mind? Are you at a place in your life where this is something that's not even a thought? Have you been so consumed by some temptation or some sin that, that you're not even really thinking about the fact that I've been called to live my faith? I've been called to hold on to what I've been given and that Jesus is coming back. I mean, have you become so complacent that this idea of last judgment and last day is not even on your radar? And you're just kind of floating through life without even a thought that someday I will have to answer for my life. Someday I will stand before the judgment seat and have to give an accounting for what I've done or what I haven't done. When it comes to living our faith, when it comes to enduring suffering, whatever that might be, would Paul write these words about us? Right? Would we be counted worthy of the kingdom of Christ? Do we hold to God's word and hold to it and say, you know, I'm, I won't let this go for anything? Would we be willing to give up absolutely everything in this life, even our own life, to hold on to Christ? to hold on to the blessings that he gives. Listen to what is going to happen to those who don't. He says he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Those who do not know God, those who do not obey the, the gospel of our Lord Jesus, or, or the, another way to say that is to believe it, to hold to it, will be shut out from the presence of the Lord forever. They will face eternal destruction. We know God, don't we? We know him. But how often don't we live like we don't? That we live like we have no idea what his word says. We know the gospel of our Lord Jesus. But do we hold to it? Do we cling to it? Or do we, is it easier just to follow the ways of the world? For those who do not know God, for those who do not obey or believe the, the gospel of our Lord Jesus, eternal destruction 
shut out from the presence of the Lord. Jesus is very clear in Matthew 25. Uh, that's another section where he's talking about the last day and what's going to happen. And he says, those who deny me here on earth before people, I'm going to deny before my Father in heaven. That I, I don't know them. They're not part of me. They're not with me. And just think about your life. Think about how many times you have denied Jesus. That you know him, that you believe in him, that you want to live for him, right? How many times have you denied by the way that you live your life. For me, it's way too, many time, way too many times to even begin to count. Will I be counted worthy of the kingdom of God on that last day? I, I shouldn't be. Because I look at my life and I see nothing but sin. Nothing but selfishness. Nothing but living for this God rather than that God. When you face that judgment seat, when you stand before Christ, can you look him in the eyes and say, yes, I deserve to, to be counted worthy of being with you in heaven forever. I deserve to be with God. I mean, could you say that? Can you stand before Jesus and look him in the eye and say, well, okay, I did a lot better than all those people over there who are still waiting to... to answer for their sins, right? Or, you know, I, I, I tried really, really hard, Jesus. That's got to count for something, right? Or, or, I know I messed up a lot, Jesus, but, but I did a lot of good things. Have you, have you looked at all those? All those times that I helped people and, and went to church and gave my offerings? And have you thought about those, Jesus? And what will Jesus say? If you try to count yourself worthy before God, away from me, you evildoers. Shut out of the presence of the Lord forever. I mean, where's the hope here? <laughs> when you read these words, right, that, that those who deny him, that those who don't cling to him, who, who aren't going to put up with suffering, but instead will become complacent, or instead will, will take the easy way, will be shut out from the presence of the Lord forever. Where's the hope? Well, it's in the one who speaks these words to us. Our hope is in the one who says, praise your Father in heaven that it doesn't depend on you and what you do and how you have lived or how you have held so firm to God, but how he has held on to you. The hope that we find here in these verses comes right at the end in verse 10. Or Paul writes this. He says, On that day that Jesus comes, he will be glorified in his holy people, and he will be marveled at among those who have believed. And this includes you, because you have believed our testimony to you. you catch that? That on that day when Jesus comes back, or, or on your death day, you do not have to fear standing before that judge. No matter what you have done in this life, no matter how many sins you have committed, no matter how many times you have, have avoided suffering for him, no matter how many times that you have just become complacent in your life of faith, it says you don't have to fear because Jesus will be glorified in his holy people and will be marveled at among those who have believed. 
And this includes you, he says. This includes you. You who have believed. You who cling to Christ in faith. You who trust in him for your salvation alone. There's nothing for you to fear. Because that Jesus who comes to judge on that last day, that Jesus who will come with all of his glory, all of his power, with all of his angels, you know is not just your judge, but is also your substitute and your savior. That that very one who will judge the living and the dead, every person who will stand before him and was given account for what they have done on this earth is the one who took your place. Who the first time came, not with power and glory, but, but in a feeding trough laid for his first bed. Who lived a humble, poor, human life for you. Who came that first time to live the life that you cannot. To live under the law for you. To keep every one of those commandments perfectly for you in thought, in word, in deed. And God, your Father, in his love for you, says, I accept his perfect record in place of your sinful record. That Jesus is worthy for you. That you are counted worthy of the kingdom of God because Jesus lived that life, that perfect life, that you haven't. That he endured suffering when you didn't. That he always clung to the promises of the Father perfectly because you don't. And in addition to that, he went to a cross. And there he was shut out from the presence of the Lord for you. There he endured eternal destruction for you as he suffered hell. As his father turned his face from him. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Your substitute and your savior was taking your punishment. There he took what you deserve. There you see how he was judged to death for you. And even more than that, that on that Easter Sunday, that empty tomb, that resurrection assures you that you won't not only be judged to eternal death, but you will be judged to eternal life. Because he is alive, you too have that promise that you will live forever. Because you cling in faith to the completed work of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection for you, you have nothing to fear. That you are worthy of the kingdom of God because of Christ and everything he has done for you perfectly already. That it does not depend on you at all, but completely on what Christ has already accomplished for you. So that when you face that judgment, right, on your death day or on that last day when Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead, you can say to Jesus, you can, you can look him in the eye and you can say, I don't deserve to be with you forever. <laughs> what I do deserve is eternal destruction. I do deserve to be shut out from your presence forever. But you, Jesus, you took my place. 
You took my punishment. You took that destruction and that banishment from the Lord's presence on you. You defeated death for me. You vanquished sin for me. And you give me the promise of eternal life. It's through you, Jesus, that I am counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And you know what Jesus will say then? Welcome. Welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome and share your master's happiness. Welcome into the place prepared for you from eternity. All through the merits of your Savior, your judge, Jesus. You have nothing to fear because you know how this all turns out when the judge comes. And it was the same for the Thessalonians. It wasn't that they were such strong Christians. It wasn't because they were perfect people. It wasn't because they, you know, endured that that they received eternal life. It was because they clung to the promises that God made to them through Christ. We are saved in the same way that those Christians were in that first century who were enduring such great persecution. They clung to the completed work of Christ like we do. It wasn't through their suffering and their endurance that they inherited heaven. It was through the suffering and the endurance of Jesus that they inherited heaven, and we do too. And so we have nothing to fear. No matter when it is or, 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 or how it happens, we have nothing to fear because we know how this all turns out when the judge comes. Now, now those who don't know God, those who do not obey, those who do not believe the, the gospel of our Lord Jesus... They should be terrified because what awaits is that judgment to eternal destruction. But for us who know him, for those who have been called to faith, for those who have been given that gift of faith through the Holy Spirit and word and sacrament, there is nothing for us to fear. Nothing at all. We know how this all turns out when the judge comes. Listen to that again. He says there that he will be glorified in his holy people. That's us, right? Made holy through Jesus. And we are gonna, he's going to be marveled at, right? We are just going to be amazed at his coming. There won't be fear there. There's just going to be amazement at Jesus' coming. Joy among those who believed, and that includes you. Because you believed. The power and the comfort here is that this is all God's doing from start to finish. He came to rescue us from our sins. He came to take our place. He came to give us forgiveness. He comes through the Holy Spirit. He comes to give us faith in the the gospel. It's all God's doing start to finish. And so there's nothing for us to fear. These promises are sure and certain, and we can cling to them no matter what. And this changes how we live, doesn't it? It has to change how you look at today. It has to change how you look at tomorrow and however many days the Lord will grant you here on this earth. The fact that you don't have to fear what happens after this life is over. That you know that that is really just the beginning of what life is supposed to be. Life with God forever. Right? That you don't have to live in doubt. You don't have to live in fear. That you 
don't have to sit here and try to figure out how do I appease God so that he doesn't destroy me when my life ends? How, how do I satisfy God's wrath against me and, and earn his love? Because Jesus already did it for you. You can live in peace and you can live in confidence. You can live with joy knowing that that day is coming. And as you live in this life of suffering... Right? And, and if it's suffering because you live in a sinful world with sinful people, right? or it's because you still struggle with your own sinful flesh that every day needs to be, be crucified again at that cross and raised to be something new with Jesus in his resurrection. If it's because you're suffering, because you're going out there and you're, you're living for God in a godless world, your God promises here that you will get relief. He will come to give you relief. That this will all come to an end. This suffering will end someday. And perfect peace and joy forever comes. And so God calls us to remain vigilant until that day. Right? To cling to his word. To cling to these promises. To cling to Christ alone for our salvation. To cling to him who is not only our judge, but our substitute and our savior. We have nothing to fear, dear Christians. We are safe. We know that we are loved because God has revealed it to us. There's no questions. There's no wondering. There's, there's no doubts. We know how this all turns out. We know the end of the story. And it's nothing but glory and joy for us as we marvel at Jesus' second coming. When he comes again, we know what it means. Life forever with him. All by his grace. Amen.